Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Good morning, everybody, on this July 4th. Uh, we have a uh, special holiday, not just to play around and have fun, but also to remember the freedom that uh, was paid for for so many lives. So great to see each of you here today. And didn't know how many would be here for July 4th. And I figured, well, whoever's here, we're going to have a good time and jump into the word. And ideally, we're going to find something new. So let's take a minute and uh, let's pray, folks. Well, Father, I thank you for each one of my brothers and sisters uh, online. And Father, uh, obviously, they are hungry for you uh, to be able to get six o'clock on a, a holiday. Uh, says something to me is that they want to get deeper with you and in you. So, Father, we just come. Uh, we pray, uh, Lord, that you give us fresh eyes to see the scriptures. Uh, give us fresh ears to be able to hear them. We pray, Holy Spirit, you would just highlight, underline, uh, use exclamation marks, whatever you want, Lord, to get through to each of us what we need to hear from this chapter. So we give you an open heart, Lord, and we thank you for speaking to us. And we just ask you, Jesus, in your strong name. Amen. Amen. Okay, great. We are in Judges chapter two. So let's just read it and then we'll unpack it. Now the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum, and he said, I brought you up out of Egypt, led you into the land, which I've sworn to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And as for you, you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars. But you've not obeyed me. What is it you've done? Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become as thorns in your sides, and their God shall be a snare to you. And it came about when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the sons of Israel, that the people lifted up their voices and they wept. So they named the place Boshim, and there they sacrificed to the Lord. When Joshua had dismissed the people, the sons of Israel went each to his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua, who had seen all the great work of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. They buried him in the territory of his inheritance, the Timoth Heres, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gas. And all the generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals. And they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed themselves down to them. 
Thus they provoked the Lord to anger. So they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashroth. And the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he gave them into the hands of plunderers who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies around them, so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil. As the Lord had spoken, and as the Lord had sworn of them, so they were severely distressed. Then the Lord raised up judges who delivered them from the hands of their plundered them. And yet they did not listen to their judges, for they played the harlot after other gods. They bowed themselves down to them. They turned aside quickly from the way in which their fathers had walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord. They did not do as their fathers. And when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed and afflicted them. But it came about when the judge died that they would turn back and act more corruptly than their fathers and following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. They did not abandon their practices or their stubborn ways. So the anger of the Lord burned against Israel and he said, because this nation has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers and has not listened to my voice. I also will no longer drive out before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died. In order to test Israel by them, whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk in it as their fathers did or not. So the Lord allowed those nations to remain, not driving them out quickly. And he did not give them into the hand of Joshua. Amen. Okay. Okay. So let me just give a review here of the book of Judges. Joshua had just led the Israelites into the promised land, and they had conquered almost all of the foreign territory. So there's, there was a real powerful victory. Things were going well, but they did not fully drive out the enemy. Uh, so there were still some Canaanite strongholds that were there. And basically, the book of Judges is where the Israelites say, okay, we've got to take over those, those areas that are still left so that we possess the entire promised land. So we see here battles. Uh, and as we look at the book of Judges, God sovereignly raises up judges and the judges are the, the spiritual leaders, but also the civil leaders. He raises up the judges to guide them in their battles against these, these enemy strongholds that are still there. So that's the, the overview of the book of Judges. So let's just jump right on in here. Uh, as we look at chapter 2, it says here, verse 1, Now the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum. And he said, I brought you out of Egypt, led you into the lands which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. So this is an interesting term, the angel of the Lord. Uh, there's been debates uh, over the years. Who is the angel of the Lord? The angel of the Lord is a, a manifestation of God. Scholars have debated, you know, is this just an angel? But most Biblical scholars believe that the word angel of the Lord 
refers to Jesus Christ before he actually was born in Bethlehem. Because the, the word angel of the Lord, if you could see that like Moses, sees the angel of the Lord at the burning bush. And we hear other references. But when we get to the New Testament, the term the angel of the Lord disappears. It goes away. And because it goes away, uh, many, many people believe that this literally was a pre-incarnate manifestation of Jesus. I think uh, most Christians know that Jesus existed before he was born in a stable. The Trinity, Jesus has always been there with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from eternity. But basically, this idea uh, that he actually manifested himself in a form before that birth uh, is something a lot of us don't know. So uh, the Bible would call this a theophany, uh, an appearance. So I'm okay with that, that in a sense, this is Jesus before he actually came to the earth. So the angel of the Lord came, and it's interesting, the angel makes this statement to the people of Israel. I brought you up out of Egypt. I led you into the land which I've sworn to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. So it's very interesting. This angel of the Lord comes very clearly and says to the Israelite people, hey, you didn't end up in the promised land by some kind of an accident. I actually had a plan. I carried out that plan. I'm the sovereign God. And because of who I am and because of what I've done, in a sense, you should be following me because I'm God and you're not. So he said, this is what he's done. And, and he actually has a message for them. Uh, and he said this, uh, I will never break my covenant with you. I will never, no matter what you do, I will never break my covenant with you. And I'm thinking, okay, it's good to know what's the covenant that we're referring to. And it's the covenant that God gave to Moses. I'm sorry, not Moses, Abraham. In uh, Genesis chapter 17, let me give you some verses here. In Genesis 17, verse 7, uh, the Lord said this. To Abraham, I'll establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout all their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. And then the Lord said also this to Abraham, and I'll give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. I will be their God. So God very clearly said to Abraham, I'm going to give a covenant. And it's going to be an everlasting covenant. And it repeats that if you look at the book of Leviticus. And Leviticus 26 and verse 40, the Lord says this to the Israelites. And this time he says it via Moses. Uh, Leviticus 26, 40. This is the Israelites, if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their forefathers and their unfaithfulness, which they committed against me, also in their acting hostile, um, with hostility against me. He says, then I'll remember my covenant with Jacob. 
I'll remember also my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham as well. And I will remember the land. So God's very clearly saying, hey, I will make a covenant. And even if Israel messes up, which they do, and they break the covenant over and over and over, God says it's an everlasting covenant. So I'm going to discipline the Israelites when they go astray. I may have to punish them, but I will always reestablish the covenant with them. So that's a really important thing. He said, I brought you out. Uh, I've got you into the promised land, and I'm never going to break my covenant with you, Israel. You're my special, special people. He goes on a little bit further <clears throat> at the end of two. But, but, it says, as for you, you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of the land. You shall tear down their altars. So God says, basically, go in and pull down the pagan practices pull down their, their altars, be fully committed to me. Uh, but here's the problem. But, 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 you have not obeyed me. What is this you've done? It's almost like God throws up his hands and says, oh, my word, I've talked to you about this issue over and over and over, the importance of obedience. And here you blow me off again. You've not obeyed me. What is this you've done? By now, you should have got it straight. Don't do that. Don't do that. Now, if you've heard me in soap, and I'm sure you've heard some other people on these soaps, the word obedience, it just comes up over and over and over and over and over again. In fact, if you look at the word obedience in a concordance, a concordance is really anything uh, Many of you in the back of your Bible may have a concordance. It's literally a listing of key words in the Bible and where those key words are found in different parts of the scripture. I have a concordance. It's about that thick. I mean, it's every word you can track down. So if I want to look up the word shepherd in the Bible, I can look up and look under shepherd and see every reference in the Old and New Testament where the word shepherd is. It's really, it's a very helpful tool if you want to do Bible study. So I looked up the word obey or obedience. How many times has God said in the Old and New Testament, obey me? And I counted them uh, 153 times. 153 times. I think we get the point. If God says it once, it's, it's enough to pay attention. But if he says it that many times, God is taking this, he says that, talking about the 4th of July and a flag, he's taking a flag like this, saying, hey, folks, this is extremely, 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 extremely important. I, I hear the Lord saying, obedience is not optional. Obedience is not optional. Because obedience clearly reveals whether I want to run my own show and be my own God, or whether I'm willing to obey the God who made the heavens and the earth. Obedience uh, basically uh, reveals whether or not uh, I really love the Lord. Because obedience is a proof that I, I love him and I want to serve him. So <clears throat> if we don't obey, the Bible would say, guess what? We're a rebel. That's a strong term. 
It's a strong, strong term. If I'm not in obedience to God, I'm rebelling against him. And by the way, that's why God, Satan, all messed up in the beginning, why he was kicked out of heaven, because he wanted to be God, and he was a rebel. Uh, basically, we also know uh, that if we don't obey, it's not respecting who God is. Uh, so basically, the Lord's very clear uh, that we have an option to go and obey or not obey. And, and I think Overall, the picture is if you obey God, you're kind of going with the flow of life. It, you're going with life. If you're, you're disobedient, it's like you're flowing upstream your whole life. It's like you're always going against things. And it's like life doesn't flow. It doesn't have a, a sense of peace and joy. It has a sense of disruption and upsetment. Uh, that's just the way it is. Uh, so basically, um, as we obey, the Bible is very clear. God says, as you obey, I want to pour out my blessing. You allow me to bless you because obedience just opens up who I am and my love to touch you. On the other hand, uh, not to obey is by default to invite God to get upset and cause judgment. So, <clears throat> I mean, as we follow this whole theme into the New Testament, uh, the Bible's clear. God loves us. We have a problem. We've sinned. We can't fix it. God sends a savior into the world, Jesus. We have a choice to accept or not. And if we don't accept the Lord and we continue in rebellion, the Bible's clear. There is a place for that in eternity called hell. And hell is basically the prison, you might say, of the universe. It's literally the prison because God can't allow disobedient people into his heavenly place. It, it, it would destroy heaven. Uh, so God has to preserve the holiness of heaven. He has to preserve this attitude of love and service in heaven. So literally, uh, there is a place for those that continue in rebellion their entire life. So, uh, but God doesn't want that. The Bible is very clear. God does not want to necessarily judge. God doesn't want to put people in heaven. He wants to pour out blessings. Uh, let me just share again. We've done this a couple of times, but I just want to reiterate it. Uh, Deuteronomy 28, God says this. Now it shall be, if you will diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. And we go over and over the blessings. God says, I'll make you the head, not the tail. You're not going to be underneath. You'll be above. God said, I want, I want to bless you, Israel. I want, please, please just stay in step with me. Obey me and I'll pour out blessings. On the other hand, the Lord is very clear and, and warns Israel, don't mess with it. I'm not playing games when I say obey. It's important because he says this, uh, and back in Deuteronomy 28 again, 28, 15. But it shall come about, if you will not obey the Lord your God, to observe all of his commandments and his statutes, which I charge you today, that all these curses shall come upon you and they shall overtake you. And it goes from uh, Deuteronomy 28, uh, verses 16 to 68. God's very, very clear. There's nothing fuzzy about this. God says, please, 
obey me. Please obey me. I want to bless you. I want to bless you. So, again, if you look at the end of two, uh, the Lord's upset. Uh, but you have not obeyed me. What is it you've done? Verse three, therefore, I've said, I'll not drive them out before you. That's the foreign nations. But they shall become as thorns in your sides, and their God shall be a snare for you. So basically, uh, the Lord's saying, I'm not going to make this an easy deal. If you're not going to fit in with my plans, if you're not going to obey me, then these, these foreigners are going to stay in the land. And by the way, if they stay in the land, their gods are going to be a snare for you because what's going to happen if you hang out with them and don't wipe them out, they're going to pull you into their pagan ways. And because of that, you're going to go downhill and you're going to go downhill very, very, very quickly. So God's saying, again, you should wipe them out. But again, if you look at Judges, they work at it, but still they never fully accomplish what God told them to do. So when they hear this, uh, <clears throat> the people have a reaction to the Lord's statement for. And it came about when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the sons of Israel, that the people lifted up their voices and they wept. And they wept. That's not good news. I mean, they, they hear this and they know that they've dropped the ball and they're not in a good place at all. Fast forward a little bit here uh, to verse 8. Uh, then Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the territory of his inheritance. Uh, so he dies. And it's interesting uh, that the people were faithful when he was alive. Look at, at 7. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua, who had seen all the great work of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. And verse 10, and all the generation also were gathered in their fathers. And they rose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. So as long as Joshua was there, the people listened to Joshua. Things were going well. Joshua dies, his whole generation die, and basically it says that new generation, it says they did not, uh, verse 10, they did not know the Lord. They didn't know the works which he had done. That's sad. There, were, there, there was a big gap. This one generation of Joshua are walking with him. That generation dies, and it's like everything goes, goes bad. And, you know, you might say, how, how can this happen? And I'm literally seeing this happen. Uh, there's a lot of people in our society. I don't know a lot. Maybe that's a little bit much. A good portion that do not even know the name Jesus. Because if a generation doesn't go to church, does not take their kids to Sunday school. And obviously, Christianity is not just played up big on the news. It's very possible that you could go to a kid today and use the name Jesus and they say, who is he? Somewhere the baton has not been passed to the next generation. And I think that's because um, 
Israel didn't do what God told them to do. Here's the obedience factor again, okay? Um, Deuteronomy chapter 6, let me give you this. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 6, listen to this. This is a command of the Lord to the Israelites. And these words which I am commanding you today, you shall put on your heart. Here it is, 7. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets on your forehead. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Uh, and that's repeated again uh, in Deuteronomy eleven eighteen. So God's very clear. Hey, Israelites, I want you to pass on all that you've seen. In other words, I, I could hear God saying to the, the parents, you tell your kids, hey, we want to tell you God took us out of Egypt and God did all these signs in Egypt, son or daughter, and, and tell them about that. And then tell them how God opened up the Red Sea and then tell your kids, tell them what I did in the wilderness, how I fed you. Uh, with manna, how I provided water out of rocks, how I posed and all this. Tell them, tell the generation what I did, the life of Joshua. And God's saying very clearly to the Israelites, preserve your history. Make sure that your kids know about what I am and what I've done. And you know what? It looks like that generation of Israelites did it. They, they dropped the ball. They didn't pass their faith on to the next generation, which I'm, I'm saying to each of us, if we have kids, it is essential that we pass our faith on to our children. And I, I, I would say this, um, Kathy and I went to a seminar uh, with Billy Graham's training center down at the Cove. And basically, we had Richard Blackaby, and he is amazing, a teacher. Uh, you've heard of Henry Blackaby, we do the experiencing God. Well, Richard is the son. And Richard couldn't say enough about what his dad did for him, how his dad took him under his arm, how his dad taught him the scriptures, how his God taught him the ways of God, clearly illustrating what happened. And now Richard is passing on to his kids what he's learned from his dad and from the word. And I like what he said, like, have you ever shared with your children how you came to Christ? Have you ever shared your testimony? I mean, that's really, you know, it really makes you think, do they know when you made your commitment to Christ? What did it look like? What did it feel like? <clears throat> have you shared any spiritual markers with your kids? Hey, you know, son, daughter, I went through this terrible season back then, but God was faithful. And when I went into my job, you know, I, I felt God called me that. You follow what I'm saying? Literally, they would share their spiritual journey, literally, with their children. And that's, that's our call, brothers and sisters. If you have kids, hey, I don't care if we've not done it. And I don't care if our kids are 40, 50, 60, whatever. If you never told your kids about your journey, tell them. Pass on the information. Because if we don't pass it on, 
it could very well happen what happened back then. They don't hear it and they have nothing to go on. So I thought that was very interesting <clears throat> about the importance of that. So look at verse 11. <clears throat> then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and they served the Baals. And they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt, following other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them. And they bowed themselves down to them. <clears throat> Thus they provoked the Lord to anger. So how would you feel? How would I feel if you love somebody? And maybe somebody comes to your mind, somebody you deeply love, and you love them. And you say, I want to bless you. And you pour out blessings upon them. And you're kind to them. And you go out of your way to bless them in every way you know how. And they blow you off. So how would you feel? How would we feel? We're pouring out all this. I love you. I bless you. And they, and they just ignore you. They reject you. I'm sure probably all of us have been there at some point. It, a feeling of rejection, it hurts. But not only does it hurt, usually hurt leads to anger. And sometimes that's where we get fleshly and we kind of blow up. But really, that's the picture of God. God was saying to the Israelites, I love you. I love you. I love you. I want to bless you. I want what's best for you. And God reaches out again and again and again and again. And the Israelites many times say, nope, thank you. Don't want it. Don't want it. We want to do what we want to do. And again, God can't just, just kind of forget that. Because, yes, God's loving, but God's also a holy God. And because he's holy, he can't wink at sin. He, he can't sweep it under the rug. Uh he can't ignore insubordination or disobedience or rebellion. And he has to judge. There are no other options. And it says here, if you see uh, at the end of 12, they provoked the Lord to anger. It's not like God says, oh, I've had it. And he blows up. No, no, no. God doesn't lose his cool. God has a steady anger and a hatred of sin. Why? Because it screws everything up. And look at our world, folks. Look at the craziness. The war over in Ukraine. I mean, how stupid can we be shooting bullets at each other? And all the other crazy things we see in reports, all the shootings in America, and oh, so much broken homes and, and drug issues. Sin has messed the planet up. And God cannot ignore it. He must deal with it to preserve his own nature. Because if he doesn't judge sin, he violates who he is in his very being. So God does have to judge. So basically, uh, look what happens. They provoked him to anger. Verse 11, uh, 13, they forsook the Lord. They served Baal and the Asherah. And the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he gave them into the hands of plunderers who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies around them so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil. As the Lord had spoken and as the Lord had sworn to them, so they were severely distressed. 
judgment, 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 judgment. But friends, God is merciful. Look at verse 16. Then the Lord raised up judges who delivered them from the hands of those who plundered them. Verse 18. And when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed and afflicted them. But it came about when the judge died that they would turn back and act more corruptly than their fathers and following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. They did not abandon their practices or their stubborn ways. You ever see somebody stubborn? Uh, you know, a donkey can be stubborn. I mean, you're pulling out a thing. It will not move. It will not move. It just, I'm down and I'm not moving. And God describes Israel like that donkey. They're stubborn. They, they have a stiff neck and they will not bow to be able to serve him. So what's interesting to me is basically um, that cycle goes around and around and around and around and around. You look at the book of the Judges, and there's a per such just a cycle that goes around. The cycle is Israel disobeys, as we've just seen. Okay, God, they disobey. God disciplines them and punishes them. Okay, just like a, a little kid. Okay, you're going to be disobedient. I'm going to I'm going to discipline you and punish you. At that point, Israel groans here, it says, and they cry out, and they're basically saying, oh, God, we've messed up. We've messed up again. Oh, please have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. And God says, okay, I'll have mercy. God gives another judge. And after that, um, the judge is there. And again, they follow the Lord just a little bit. And then again, they go bad. And again, God judges them. And then they cry out and said, oh, God, we've messed up. And God sends another judge. You see it? It's a circle. It just, the book of Judges, that cycle happens. God says, obey. Here's a judge. I'm going to take care of you. Please do what the judge says. They disobey. God says, I'm going to judge you. They cry out and said, oh, we've messed up. Please forgive us. We repent. And God says, okay, I'm keeping my everlasting covenant. And he gives them another shot, mercy, new judge. It goes around and around and around and around and around and around and around. And then uh, as we're beginning to wrap up here, it says, verse 21, God says, <clears throat> basically, I will also no longer drive out before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died. In order to test Israel by them, whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk in it as their fathers did or not. So basically, God said, I'm not driving out all these foreign nations quickly. I want to see what you're going to do, Israel. When you confront this, this pocket of Canaanite resistance, I'm going to see, Israel, are you going to trust me? Are you going to love me? Are you going to obey me? Or are you going to disobey me? So let me, let me wrap up with two stories. And I think they kind of illustrate what I'm trying to say here and what I think God's trying to bring home in Joshua. Uh, judges too. Story number one, true story. Pastor uh, starts a message to a church. He gives them a scripture lesson. Here's the scripture, James 1, 22. 
But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Okay, preacher reads that. He says, basically, okay, what's God saying here? <clears throat> Just don't hear the word. I'm going to preach Sunday, Sunday, Sunday after afterward. I want you to be a doer of the word. Okay? I'm not talking to you on my own. This is what God says. You're to hear the word of God as I share it and do it. Uh, and basically said, you know, the choice is up to you, congregation. Are you going to hear the word only or are you going to do it? He then sat down. That was the message. Boom. The message was over in one minute. That's a rather shocking experience. No long, drawn-out message. No trying to hit the point over again. He just said, here's the scripture. Make a choice. That's it. I don't need to say any more. That was one interesting story. Here's another story I thought was kind of interesting. Another pastor, he's preaching to his congregation, and he keeps taking this theme about obedience to his church and using different scriptures. And this goes on week after week after week after week. And uh, some of the congregation go to the pastor say, like, you know, okay, you know, what's this hobby horse thing? Why, why you keep hitting this one point over and over again? Like, come on, let's move on to something else. And the pastor said, basically, yeah, we'll move on to something else when you get what I'm saying this time. Period. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I'm going to keep preaching it because if I don't see any change in you, what's the point? Of moving on to something else. You're just as stubborn like that mule. And let's confirm. And I'm sure uh, both these pastors had some major flack for congregations. They would not appreciate that. Uh, but I thought that was an interesting thing. Just the one, one minute message. Make a choice. Either you're going to obey or not. Let's not dilly dally. Come on. Let's be in your face. Make a choice. And the second one is basically saying, you know what? You hear me preach week after week after week and you're not doing spit on it. So guess what? I'm going to keep doing it. And by the way, that's what the prophets did in the Old Testament. And you know what happened to some of them? They were stoned and killed because the people said, I don't want to hear it. So brothers and sisters, I don't know what else to say. God is very clear. Obey me and I'll bless you. Blow me off and you'll face the consequences. There are laws. There are physical laws. There's laws like gravity. If I'm in a plane, I jump out of the plane. Guess what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. The law of gravity will kill me. There's spiritual laws. And one of those laws is what you sow, you're going to reap. You, that law is as unbreakable as the law of gravity. And God's very clearly saying to each of us, to anybody on this planet, sow obedience and you'll reap blessing. So disobedience, and you're going to reap judgment and punishment. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for the uh, book of Judges, Lord. And as, as we studied in the weeks that come ahead, Lord, you're just going to show this cycle that's going to repeat itself over and over and over. And I pray for each of us, Lord. I pray very specifically for everyone here and myself. Lord, may we not be like the Israelites. Lord, may, may we not be in this cycle of, of I'm going to obey God sometimes. I'm going to obey God uh, when I feel like it. 
but Lord, help us to, to make a commitment in our heart by the, the help of your grace and Holy Spirit. That when we open our eyes each day, Lord, we would say, it's your day, Lord. And we want to follow you because you're a good shepherd. And we, you, we know, Lord, you only want what's best for us. So, Lord, I just pray for each of us. Fine-tune our obedience. And I thank you, Lord, that as we walk with you, uh, amazing things can happen in us and can happen through us. So, Father, we thank you. Uh, I just pray a blessing on each of my brothers and sisters on this July 4th. Thank you for the spiritual freedom, Lord, you've given us from sin, uh, Lord, through the power of Jesus' blood. And Lord, we just pray these things in your strong and holy name. Amen. Have a great 4th of July. Have a bang, folks. Check out some fireworks. God bless you.